For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This month's sponsor of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, and you're in for a special treat today because I have a special guest. Vin DeCiani, founder and CEO of Affiliated Monitors, uh, has uh, taken some time to visit with us about the clash of cultures and how communication can help either uh, ameliorate that or or, uh, smooth it out. So, Vin, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Good to speak with you again, Tom. So, Vin, the the clash of cultures is something that I think uh, most compliance practitioners are well, well aware of whether that be due to international operations, satellite offices, uh, different philosophies. Uh, But uh, I don't think they really understand or think through how you can use communications to help smooth out some of these uh, uh, bumps in the road. So I was wondering if you might just give us your thoughts along those lines. Sure, Tom. And and it's a terrific topic um, because it really deals with human beings. Uh, And I like this very much. So the first thing I I was going to start with was, you know, a lot of compliance programs uh, uh, are written by attorneys. um, And they're written in what I'll call legalese, right? A lot of rules, a lot of uh, description of what a regulation means or how the courts interpret it. Um, And being an attorney, I, I really do understand what that is like. However, most of the people that are asked to read, certify, agree to uh, work with a compliance program are not attorneys. Um, And uh, I I think that that's something that uh, perhaps attorneys are not sensitive to uh, when they're writing compliance programs. And that is, who are you writing the program for? And what does the workforce look like? Because that's a communication. That's a fundamental issue in communications. Because people can't understand what is being asked of them uh, because they don't understand the words, um, then uh, you're, you're doomed to fail, right? So I think that that's something that I, th- I think sort of fits within this clash of cultures. And I'm just calling it lawyers versus everyday laymen, right? And I think that that's a significant um, consideration. Um, so the second thing that I think is very significant has to do with uh, uh, sort of multinationals or companies that have satellite offices in various geographic locations where different languages are spoken. Um, and you mentioned the fact that most people are at least aware of it. I just don't know how sensitive they are to it. You know, um, I have worked with companies in assessing the effectiveness of their compliance programs where the company from headquarters, you know, uh, will sort of force 
down upon a, a group in a different uh, country and different culture, different language, a compliance program is as an Anglo program, right, without any understanding of the culture of the community, without any sensitivity to the language barriers that sometimes exist. You know, sometimes the companies have different accounting systems or different ways of doing things, and there's no sensitivity to that. I think that that causes a great problem, at least initially. Uh, so when you're forcing a compliance program down a, uh, on, in a company uh, in different countries where there are different languages. The other thing about that, um, where there's a clash, is, you know, there's a lot of sophistication in the U.S. on compliance and compliance programs. That's not the same in the rest of the world. You know, if you go to, and I've done work in Spanish-speaking countries, right? They don't understand ethics and compliance programs. I mean, they're ethical, but they don't understand a program and how you have to have that and what it means and why they have to do this. You know, when you're, you're, you're bringing compliance into those cultures, it has to be more than just throwing it at them here, read and agree and sign to it. You really have to get them to understand what you're trying to do. And I think that's where communications is very important. And you really need to have somebody talking in their language uh, because they may understand English and they may be able to read it. But, you know, again, be sensitive to the, the lack of sophistication that they're going to have in compliance. The other thing, and again, I, this is a human thing, is people have different styles and approaches to things. Um, again, I've seen too many companies that just force down a program because they have to. You know, they're under a DOJ order or a CIA or the company has just said, we have to do this. And again, there's no real sensitivity to, the, to bringing that into the culture. The other thing that you and I have talked about over time is millennials, you know, and dealing with that clash of that culture. Um, and, you know, um, just again, a lack of understanding of how millennials work um, and think um, is also a very important consideration. You know, when you think about where the areas of the clashes can occur. Those are three big ones for me. So Vin, do you think it's uh, could even be could it start with either um, home office uh, ivory tower bias or even worse, kind of the ugly American syndrome, or do you think it's really more subtle that uh, many Americans, particularly, just don't uh, understand the subtlety and nuance of communicating uh, with others outside the United States? Yeah, it's a, it's. A, it's... I think it's all of the above, Tom, and more, right? It is the fact that as Americans, we think that everybody thinks like us and understands like us, uh, you know, the way that we do, the uh, way we do, or that compliance is such an ingrained, you know, part of our world nowadays. It's just not the same there. So I think that that's definitely a factor. But I also think it's it's just a lack of understanding people. You know, it's just a lack of sensitivity that they they. You know, again, you know, the French culture is quite different than the American culture. And if you try to force an American Anglo compliance program on the French, they're going to push back, you know, and, and they have to do it in their own gradual way of incorporated into their life and that kind of stuff. And they'll get there. But if you give them 15 minutes to implement the compliance program and think that that's going to be effective, it's not. So I think it is sensitivity. How uh, how can a compliance officer then try to to bridge that gap? Uh, is it a, a learning experience? Is it changing 
your communication style. You did mention uh, moving from legalese to uh, what I would call civilian language, um, mm -hmm. but uh, is uh, are different strategies required overseas? How do you approach that? Yeah, I, well, again, first of all, I think you have to write it in legalese, uh, not legalese, rather, in layman's terms, or, you know, um, because I think that um, you're gonna lose a lot of people. You know, compliance is not just for the senior leadership team and management. It really has to flow down all the way to, you know, throughout the organization. And if you haven't been sensitive to making sure that the language is understandable, you know, take the time to, to see what's in your compliance program and perhaps maybe it's part of your training, but make it into words uh, that are that are understandable, that that give the people the reasons why they have to do it. I think that that's another sensitivity in terms of other cultures is why do we have to do this? What, what does this mean for me? I think you have to be thinking along those lines. And again, compliance officers have so many things on their plate. Um, this kind of thing um, can be sort of missed, you know, and then what some companies do, and again, it's, I, I think it's just, they try hard. It, it, it's, it's like the, you know, the ugly American, you know, you speak louder thinking that you, that the French are going to understand or the Italians are going to understand it. And it's just louder. Um, and so some companies do these nice programs in these neon lights and, you know, they're flashy little, you know, uh, PowerPoint presentations. It's not getting through. You have to understand who you're talking to and, and be sensitive to that. So it's maybe the compliance officer needs some help in doing that, in bringing this compliance program out into the field. I really like your phrase, understand who you're talking to. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly when I was in the corporate world, I just saw my multinational employer as a monolith. Mm -hmm. you know, we were all big red, and, yeah. but that's not true at all. It's, it's, it is a, a diverse workforce. Uh, how important are translations or speaking in the local language? I, I think they're crucial. You know, when we go in uh, as the monitor and we're doing interviews and, and those kind of things, or when we're doing an assessment, it's it, it's very important that people that you're talking to in a focus group can understand what you're saying. You know, and so you have to have an interpreter or a translator there to be able to communicate effectively. You know, because people in those kinds of settings want to speak up. But if they don't understand what you're asking them and or you're not understanding what they're saying to you, then it's a missed opportunity. So it's crucial. It really is. And, and again, I think that's part of the sensitivity and knowing your people, you know, going into, uh, uh, you know, a Japanese culture, you need to know the way they think, the way they act, the way they hear things. So you're not using words that are maybe offensive or just not, they don't translate well, right? I know in studying Spanish when I was in high school and college, uh, idioms don't work. And yet we, as in English, we always speak in idiom, idioms, right? They don't translate. So you're missing a lot in that communication. So again, I think it's part of the sensitivity and it's part of the clash, you know, because if you're not communicating very well, then you're, you know, that's the problem. And I think that you've hit it, you know, on the head with this, with this topic. Um, I had a, a friend here in Houston who uh, owned a multinational company and they had a Japanese subsidiary and in the middle of a meeting, he just turned and said, that dog won't hunt. Mm -hmm. And there was about a five minute break and the Japanese came back and said, who is honorable dog? Yeah, right. They just don't get it. And, and we do that in English all the time. We speak in idioms. I do it. I know I do it. You know, sometimes unconsciously, but I do it. Then unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if there were uh, three key takeaways you might have for our listeners today. 
Yeah, I, I, again, I tried to whittle this down based upon what I was talking about. And one is the one you just mentioned, and perhaps the most important, know your people. Who are your people, right? I think that that's an easy um, thing to say. It's a hard thing to do. So that's number one. Number two is to be sensitive to different cultures and different languages and different ways of doing things. You're going to be much more effective and faster if you are, you know, when you're communicating. Um, then the other thing is, and it's and it is a sort of a subtle and subconscious kind of thing. But how do you get people in these other cultures who speak other languages? How do you get them to embrace compliance? How do you make it part of their lives? Now, it's very important to the compliance officer and the compliance team and perhaps the company that you want to build that strong culture. How do you do it with with these people who are, again, not familiar with compliance, not familiar with requirements of you know ethical you know, sort of standards and those kinds of things. Learning how to do that, um, and I think the best compliance officers do do that, uh, I think is a, a great takeaway as well. Well, Ben, uh, thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Terrific. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you again for joining me for this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program around business ventures. And I hope you will join me for our next episode tomorrow. Also, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, for sponsoring this month's podcast series. This podcast series on 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.